Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's always a blessing to come to New Mexico. It's like home. And I want to thank Skip for the invitation and the body of Christ here. has been a real blessing over the years to see what God has done here by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you just to know that my wife, you know, she had cancer for the last five and a half years. And uh, they removed one of her breasts. And about uh, six months ago, they saw a big spot in her liver. So we thought that uh, maybe things were going to be over. We prayed. We got our home situated. And then all around the country, around the world, they began to pray for her. And I went back to the city of hope, and the spot was gone. So we want to thank God for the healing of His grace and mercy. It's really cool. Thank you. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 26. And the title of my message is Deception Within the Church. I was looking up the ten most dangerous groups in America. Number one was the Mormons. Number two, the Jehovah Witnesses. Thirdly, Scientology. Fourth, the Twelve Tribes. Fifth, the Holy Spirit Association with Unification of the World Christianity. Sixth, the International Churches of Christ. Seventh, the family, the children of God. Eighth, the Ku Klux Klan. Ninth, the Nation of Islam. And tenth, the United Pentecostal Church. Now when you think of all these denominations or cults, you think about where the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is heading even today. I get to travel around the country, travel around the world, and to me it's, it's, it's amazing to be able to go to the different places and, and be able to see what God is doing to the body of Christ. And then I'm examining not only my own personal life, but the life of the church. And the church is not this building, the church is each one of us individually, as we have come to know Christ by being born again of the Holy Spirit, receiving His love, His grace and mercies, And then coming to that place where I believe today that there are three types of groups in the church today. Number one, you have the natural man. Those that may be invited, maybe they're kind of checking out the church to see what the church is like, but they never truly give their lives to Christ. Some of them do. Then you have those which we call the cardinal Christians. Those like the city of Corinth, that they were doing everything to serve God, But at the same time, they were abusing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They were going to court with lawsuits. And all these things going on. So Paul writes to them. And begins not only to rebuke them, but sets order to the book of Corinthians, or to 1st and 2nd Corinthians. The third group is the spiritual group. The one where Jesus, speaking of the seeds that fall to the ground, that bring forth uh, 30, 60, 100 fallen fruit, And I would pray this evening that as we look at this lesson, that each one of us individually would examine our lives before the Lord. And the reason is time is short. Time is short, you guys. The Lord is coming. And when you look at the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ tonight, there are so many people that I I share with the men's fellowship this morning. And one of the things that people ask me, not people in the church, but outside of the church, 
Because I share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I share some of the people that I know, I ask them, when are you going to come to Christ? And they share with me this, I will come to Christ when the church comes to Christ. And that's exactly what's happening today. I believe that so many people are coming to the church and they're infecting the church. They're giving a bad name to the church. John the Beloved in chapter 2 of 1 John verse 26, he says, These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. So here John is writing his epistle to give us a third purpose of his writing to the church. It was to warn them of spiritual deception. Now remember, the first purpose is found in chapter 1, verse 4. That your joy may be full. The second purpose is in 1 John 2, 1. He says, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Third purpose in 1 John 2, 26, which I just read to you, those that are trying to deceive you. The fourth purpose is in 1 John five thirteen that you may have eternal life. I love the way John writes, you know, in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Because I feel that it's very important that not only John has warned us in the epistle, but I want to warn you tonight, I want to warn you as believers, that God is on the throne, God is doing a tremendous work among the nations of the world, and also in the churches. But we know that Paul the Apostle, in talking to Timothy, that he said that in the last days there are going to be what? False teachers, false prophets. Even Jesus himself in Matthew 24, in Luke 21, in Mark 13. And if we truly are living in the last days, are we truly getting rooted and grounded in God's love, in God's mercy? Do you and I have discernment concerning these people that might be even sitting next to us tonight? We have to take an examination of our own personal lives every single day. I always tell people, when you came here tonight, great to see you. But I pray that when you leave here tonight, you will not be the same person when you came here. I think that's important. Because we can make it a tradition. Coming every Sunday night, Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. And it can become a ritual instead of a life experience, which is through Jesus Christ our Lord, to have that excitement, to have that passion for people that don't know Christ. For your family, for your sons and your daughters, for your grandchildren. Especially for those that are backslidden, those that are not only stumble within the church, but that Christ will touch them and Christ will bring them back. Bring them back to His grace and to His love and to His mercies. Socrates said, False words are not only evil in themselves, but they infect the soul with evil. They infect the soul with evil. There are so many false movements that we have in the United States of America today. You know, so many people are coming from so many nations. Our church has grown in so many ways with ethnic groups. We have 30% Asians. We have uh, Arabs. We have uh, Mexican-Americans. We have, I mean, from everything you can think of, which is really like the nations of the world. And the thing that I always share with these people is that there's nothing wrong 
with having people within your church. But the problem for me is the people that are coming from other countries and are bringing their gods. I have a problem with that. Because what's happening to our nation, our nation is beginning not only to fall away from Christ, but we're beginning to be introduced to these false doctrines that are infecting our young people, our children, our children's children. And we as a church have a responsibility to pray, to pray, to fast, to stand true to the Word of God, Because within these groups, like the emerging church today, so many fellowships are changing. And the reason is because they want more entertainment than the teaching of the Word of God. And there's nothing wrong. We have a great, great band. You know, we play every Sunday morning, Wednesday nights. I love it. Because I want to reach the young people too. But I think a lot of young people that have gone out to pastor... Many times in their pastoring, in order to bring people into the church, it turns out to be entertainment instead of worship. Entertainment instead of worship. And I truly believe with all my heart that Satan, through his false teachings, through his false things that he's bringing into the church, is not only deceiving our children and our grandchildren, but also deceiving the parents and the grandparents within the church today. The biggest doctrine that was affecting the church when John was writing was Gnosticism. The doctrine of Gnosticism. Now what is the doctrine of Gnosticism? It's a heresy known as Gnosticism, which comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means to know. Let me read to you. The Gnostics believed that all matter was evil, And therefore they could not believe that Jesus had an actual physical, material body. They denied His humanity. They said that Jesus did not actually live. And that He merely appeared to live. That Jesus was a phantom. Others said that Jesus was a human being. And that the divine Christ was upon Him at His baptism. And departed at His crucifixion. Sin and salvation. Evil is associated with matter ignorance and formlessness, distortion. Consequently, salvation is to slaw off defilement rather than to receive forgiveness for offenses. Salvation comes as illumination, dispelling ignorance, triumphing over material. He says the gospel is principally a means of men knowing the truth. The cosmic bodies receive the same instruction. So here John has been saying in his epistle, bringing a warning against seducers. Seducers of the faith. First of all, John warns us about the Antichrist, Antichrists. Before the Antichrist comes. In 1 John 2, 18, 19, John says, Little children, it is the last hour, as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. But even now many antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They were not from us, but they were never of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. 1 John 2.22 Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus Christ is the Mashiach, the anointed one of God? 
He is an antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Secondly, John warns us about the liar. The liar. First John 2.22 says, Again, who's a liar but he who denies that Jesus Christ is the Mashiach. He becomes an antichrist. Thirdly, John warns us of the denial that Jesus Christ not only is God, but he says that he is not God even today. How about fourthly, he warns about not believing every spirit. I think that's something today that people are listening to so many weird spirits. We know that we live in a spiritual world. This is a physical world, but there is a spiritual realm. Paul the Apostle in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And that's why he says that we are to put on the armor of God. The full armor of God. In 1 John 4, 1-6, John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist which you have heard was coming, and now already is in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as the world, and the world hears them, and we are of God. He who knows God hears us, he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We need to be careful who we are listening to. Quote, Dr. Billy Graham on deception says, The underlying principle of all Satan's tactics is deception. He is crafty and clever, camouflager. He does not build a church and calls it the first church of Satan. He is far too clever for that. He invades a theological seminary and even the pulpit Many times he even invades the church under the cover of an orthodox vocabulary, emptying sacred terms in their biblical sense. Think of what Billy Graham is saying here. A warning to the church. Think of how many churches like us tonight we're meeting all over the world. But how many of these churches truly preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in His spirit and in truth? Spirit and truth. I tell people that whatever I teach, you better go home and examine it. We need to check what people are saying to the Word of God. And when we go from here, we go back home. I think it's important that if we're going to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, then we have to be connected to the Spirit. Connected to the Spirit. Which means examining my life, preparing my life, and then coming with a prepared heart to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. Seven times in Revelations chapter 2 and 3, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. May God help us to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. 
Paul the Apostle, even in the first thing that he does here, is the warning of all the epistles that we have in the New Testament. The first thing Paul the Apostle describes here is there are going to be savage wolves in the last days. In Acts chapter 20, 29, 30, he says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. Among you. Notice that. Not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. They're not taking people to Christ or to the cross. They're taking people to themselves. We have to be very careful with that. Many times when I go share in different fellowships, or someone comes to me and sometimes they say that I'm kind of harsh in my teaching and preaching. But you know what? I only have one life to live and they'll soon be passed. And the only thing they will ask is what Jesus Christ has done in my life and in your life. And we have to understand that. You cannot water the gospel of Jesus Christ down. One day you and I will stand before God. We'll have to give an account to God. The problem is this. That if you're going to get up and you're going to share your faith, or you're going to say something about Jesus, my question to you is, are you living the first? Are you living the first? How can we share with people to say, you can't do this when we're doing that in our lives? I was at a men's conference I was sharing this morning. 4,000 men in a conference. And after my sermon, I said, okay, how many of you guys, close your eyes, how many of you guys are actively in pornography? 80% of the men raised their hands. Computers are great, but also they can be dangerous. Kids with their cell phones. Satan trying to take the mind of those little children. Satan trying to divide the marriages, the families. Polluting our minds, polluting our hearts. So that we not only come into the presence of God, but we're trying to do what? We're trying to come into the presence of God. But because of sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We grieve the Holy Spirit of God. May God help us to come to the throne of grace. Because secondly, Paul also describes these false apostles within the church. In 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen to 15 Paul says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light, Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. According to their works. That's why we need to examine everyone's teaching to see if it's of God or not from God. There are so many today that promote themselves. So many that want recognition for themselves. When I look at the life of Jesus Christ when He came the first time, He came not only as a servant, but He came to become a model, an example to those that were trying to follow Him. And even though some were following Him, hundreds, thousands were rejecting Him. But He always loved them. He always cared for them. He gave a great opportunity to the world by John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 
that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have to eternal life. Eternal life, which each one of us individually have received. And through that eternal life, as I sit in the house of the Lord, I think about how many people not only sit in the house of the Lord, but they've been touched by deception. And one of the great things that I shared with our church a couple of months ago, is that if you're sitting here tonight, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you're sitting here tonight, and you've been in the Lord maybe a year, maybe 10 years, maybe 20 years, maybe 30 years, have you ever read through the whole Bible? How can you know God's will? If you've never read from Genesis to Revelation. How can you not read the New Testament? And when you read the New Testament at the beginning, you're going to get a little bit ahead because you start in the Old Testament where the prophecies were given. And in the New Testament, we have the fulfillment of those prophecies. How we need to know God. We need to feed upon God's Word. We need to come to that place where I stand along with Jesus Christ. And every morning when I get up, first thing that I do, I thank God for allowing me one more day to breathe through my nostrils by my lungs. You ever think about that? That He holds our breath in the palm of His hand. And when you get up in the morning... You brush your teeth, you take a shower, you get dressed, you get your coffee, you eat your breakfast, you get in your car, and you leave. Where is the armor of God? If you don't spend time in the Word of God before you go anywhere, and become spiritual in the presence of God, then how can you fight the enemy when you're going out to a world that is dark, filthy, and we're supposed to be salt and light in a world that is failing? It's so cool that when you sit down and you pray and you read and then you do what you have to do and you get in your car or you ride the bus and you go where you're going, you will have a great day because you've put on the armor of God. You have a defense to defend yourself. And when you defend yourself, the enemy hates it because he can't get to your heart. And then how about thirdly? Paul the Apostle describes the false philosophers. In Colossians 2, we find a lot of those in colleges today. Beware lest anyone cheat, cheat you through the philosophy of empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world. And not according to Christ, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels, introducing into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up, and noticed by his fleshly mind. By his fleshly mind. And then Paul describes apostates. Apostates even in the church. First Timothy 4.1 he says, But not the Spirit expressly says, that in the last times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and to doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons. Surely we see a lot of demonology today. A lot of demonology. Look at all the games your children play. Your children play. Look at all the television programs in on, on TV and also on you know when you're on cable. The movies they're presenting outside of the church. And people go to those movies and people watch that film. 
And then they go home, and they go to sleep, they go to work, and then they get up for Sunday morning or Wednesday night, and they enter the church, and yet you haven't been soft and light. You're being deceived by the world. Satan deceives us. And then how about Paul says, he describes them as evil men. Second Timothy 3.13 says, But evil men, impostors, will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Deceived and being deceived. And then Peter says this, these are false teachers. Second Peter 2.13 says, But there will also false prophets among the people. Even as there will be false teachers among you, notice, among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetous, they will exploit you with deceptive words, for a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. Does not slumber. And then how about Peter describing them as deceivers? Or John in Second John 1.7 For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now what does the word deceive mean? The word deceive means the act of practice or practice of deceiving other people. The word deceitful means given to deceiving or misleading people. The word deceive means to mislead a person by a false appearance or statement. A false appearance or statement. So the word deceive does not mean that the false teachers were actually seducing the believers. Instead, That is tangible, they were actually coming in, speaking to them, and allowing Satan through these teachers to not only deceive people, but to lead them away from Jesus Christ, just like today. Just like today. Second point, characteristics of the false deceivers. Number one, false, notice, false peace they give to people. False peace. Jeremiah 23.17 says, They continually say to those who despise me, The Lord has said, You shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, No evil shall ever come upon you. How about secondly, they teach lies. Jeremiah 28.15 Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear not Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but you make this people to trust in a lie. The Lord has not sent you. You speak nothing but lies to the people. Thirdly, they pretend to be true. Pretend to be true. In Matthew 7, 23, one of my favorite scriptures as I was teaching the Gospel of Luke. He says this, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Prophecy? Cast out devils in your name? Exorcisms? And done many wonders in your name. And then I, Jesus, declared to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who continually are practicing lawlessness. We can't take advantage of the grace of God. We can't do that. Many people, when I counsel with them at Calvary or different places, 
They come to me and they begin to share with me their situation, their problem. And then they begin to confess that they came to Christ maybe a year before or maybe two or three years later. They come and they say, look, this is what my problem is. Or maybe longer. And they say, I've never really quit drinking. I've never really quit smoking marijuana. And now that it's legal, you can smoke it anytime you want, anywhere. But think about it. I've never really have stopped committing adultery, lying to people, cheating, robbing people. And yet they've been sitting in the church, just like you and I, listening, but not obeying God's Word. Not obeying God's Word. To obey God's Word is going to take death in your life, death in my life. To come to the cross of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter 16 verse 24. If any man wants to come after me. Let him or her deny himself. Pick up his cross and follow me. Follow me. Are you willing to follow Christ? Then deny yourself. The word to deny means to forget about self. All we worry about is self today. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus Christ. Also, they love division. Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 16, 17, and 18, he says, Now I urge you, brethren, know those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, their own appetites, and by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. The hearts of the simple. Think of what Satan has done in the church and is doing. How about third point and last point? The final end of these deceivers. Number one, they reject God. Yes, but they've been rejected by God. In Hebrews 12, 17, he says, For you know that afterwards, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. That's Esau. He sought it with tears, and yet he never found repentance again. Secondly, dies before his time. God takes people that are continually to be a thorn in the church, or and continue to live in sin and not come to repentance, he says this, Proverbs 10.27, The fear of the Lord is prolonged, it prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be cut short. Will be cut short. And then they're compared like chaff. He says in Matthew 3.12, His wounding fan in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor. Gather his wheat into the barns, but he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. You know, farmers in, in Israel, in the old days, they used to take a basket with wheat, throw it up into the air, and the actual air would blow away the chaff, and the true wheat would fall to the ground. Are you chaff, or are you true wheat? You have to understand who you are, and what Christ has called you to be. And how about, fourthly, they received the wrath of God. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You know what blows my mind is when children come to me or teenagers, young adults, and they'll say, my father has been molesting me for a long time. 
so sad, so perverted. And it's so sad because these are things that are happening within the church. Lying, cheating, drinking, fornicating, adultery, molestations, homosexuality, lesbianism, and yet they raise their hands unto the Lord as if they have surrendered. But if you really want to worship God, the real word is go home, get on your knees, and put your nose on the floor. That is true worship. That is true worship before God. And allow God to speak to your heart. You come to true repentance in your heart. So that God can use your life. And He can work in my life and through my life. To bring glory and honor to His name. And then how lastly, they were cast into hell. Psalm 9, 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God. And yet there are people that do not believe there's a hell. They believe that when you die, you become non-existent. They should read the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verse 19, to the end of the chapter, Lazarus and the rich men. And then let me give you a couple of things in closing this evening. How do we keep from these deceivers? Number one, we have to what? Speak truth. Speak truth. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor. For we are members of one another. How about secondly, walking in truth? Third John 1, 3 to 4. For I rejoice greatly when, when brethren came and testified the truth that is in you. Just as you also walk in truth. I have no greater joy. This is Chuck Smith's favorite passage. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. My children are walking in truth. How about worshiping God in spirit and in truth? John 14, 23, 24. But the hour is coming now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth or reality. Fourthly, by believing and knowing the truth. First Timothy 4, 3. Forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Notice that. And know the truth. How about lastly, obeying the truth. First Peter one twenty two says, You have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Then I thought about this in conclusion. When Saul, the king, and Samuel, when he was told to go and destroy every one of the Amalekites, every one of the Amalekites would have become a thorn to Israel at the beginning when they left Egypt. And when Saul went and he spared the children, he spared the women, spared all of the lambs, all the goats, and he got a hold of everything. And on his way back when he saw Samuel, he saw him and said, Oh, praise the Lord, Samuel. I'm so good to see you. And he began to say, Everything that you've done, tell me, I've done it all to God. And then Samuel said, What is that that I hear? The bleeding of the ship behind you. You know the first thing he did? Just like all of us, he blamed the people. Blame the people. Well, it's because of her. Just like Adam and Eve. They made me do it. And because he did not repent and confess to God his sin. Remember he says, 
that it's better to obey than to sacrifice. If we're going to have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, especially in this last days of deception, then we're going to have to humble ourselves before God and we're going to have to repent in our lives and say, Lord, here am I. Lord, use my life. Father, I pray in your precious name, Jesus. Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would lead us and guide us into all truth, God. And Father, that you continue to speak to your church. Lord, be with Skip, Franklin, Lord God. Lord, be here tonight and tomorrow morning, Father. Lord, help us to come to the throne of grace, Father. Lord, that as we bow our knees, we bury our noses on the floor, Father, and we worship you, Lord God, and we wait upon you, Lord. Real quickly, if there's anybody here that's visiting with us, you've been here before, you've been here many times, but you've never repented. You've never come to the truth. You remain the same person. And yet Jesus said that if we're born again of the Holy Spirit, there's a transformation, there's a change. A change of attitude, a change of heart, a change on thinking, the way we think. So if you're here tonight, I'm going to challenge you to stand to your feet, walk out onto the aisle, and come up here to the front. Come up to the foot of the cross, Jesus Christ, and give your heart and give your life to Him tonight. Don't leave here the same person you came here tonight. Leave different. Let's worship. You get up and you come, whoever you are. Young, old, I don't care who you are.